worth it anymore. Right. right. So, you know, for whatever reason that you may be thinking about kind of making that transition, you know, it could be a big step, but for a lot of people to sound like you're one of them, you know, a lot of it, a lot of your decision making sounds like it was because you're too busy that you wasn't able to be present in the way that you felt that you should. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to college right out of high school and then I went to medical school and I always knew I probably wanted to have kids and have a family, but I always knew I was going to be a career woman until I had that first baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel like my heart is torn. I, I really want to be home so much more than I ever imagined. I would. But I felt really, really stuck because I had gone to school for 11 years. I'd accumulated this massive debt to get all that education and, you know, not just the time, but the money I had invested as well. And then we decided to have our first child and I just, oh, I just felt like I have no choices. And I remember taking six weeks off maternity leave um, with the first one and going back to work and just the devastation I felt. And, and it wasn't because I was just leaving her for eight hours that day. It was like, this is going to be every day for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, I didn't know how to navigate that. I didn't think I had any choices for the longest time in my life. I didn't feel like I had any choices. This is just the way it has to be. And I, I just didn't see another path. And um, eventually, I, I figured it out. It took me a long time to figure it out, but um, there was this kind of pull inside of me for a long time. Like, I just don't feel like I'm able to do any of what I want to do really well. You know, just pulled in too many different directions. And at the end of the day, you're working your tail off, but you feel like I'm not doing a good job at any of it. Yeah. I, well, and I think that's all too common. And, you know, honestly, there, there's a lot of women out there that I've spoken with, and I know I'm in that boat too, that, you get to feel like that quite often. Even now I do work for myself. I do my, make my own schedule and I do have a business building and I do have my home building, which we could talk about why that is. It's just for my own sanity on things, but still, right. My, there's no way to keep it separate mm -hmm. child in there doing schoolwork online right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to completely keep it separate. And, you know, so at some point or another, I'm always feeling like, well, am I doing the right thing or I'm not doing enough of this or not doing enough of that. And I feel like that is a common thought process, especially mm -hmm. with women. I can't say that the guys don't think that, but I typically hear the women saying, like, I feel like I'm not, you know, there enough for my kids or not there enough for, you know, I'm not getting enough housework done. Or if maybe if they're staying at home, they're like, I don't feel like I'm contributing to our, you know, our financial status. You know, they always feel like they're not doing enough. I think that is such a common kind of thought process that goes through women's heads, especially mothers. Mm -hmm. We're really hard on ourselves, I think, um, because I mean, we're really juggling a lot of things all at once. And, and I think most people like looking from the outside in when I, when I felt like that probably would have thought I was doing a pretty good job at it. And, and I, I think I was, but you know who I was sacrificing probably more than anything was myself. You know, I was really burning the candles at both ends and um, taking very little time for self-care. And um, that that can work for a while until it kind of quits working. Um, and, you know, and, and, if, and if we're not doing good, then everything else downstream really starts to crash, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that that ends up being what happens with moms is we put ourselves on the back burner. Yeah. And I think that's starting to get better, um, mm -hmm. or at least more talked about. Maybe some of that is because of, 
you know, there's lots of online groups and lots of things. Um, but I, I know even when I started out, you know, my motherhood journey, I thought I had to put myself last. I thought it was almost like, this is what I, I need to do, right? I need to do this because my kids come first now, you mm-hmm. know, that I'm supposed to put myself on the back burner. I saw that my mom was always, you know, on the back burner. She put herself on the back burner and always put us first. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we emulate those things mm-hmm. until one day, you know, I, it's not that I decided I was going to be before my kids, but I started not feeling so good. Right. I was not taking care of myself the way that I needed to. And even though I knew how to, that's the funny part. I knew how to, I mean, it was just going to be like, well, tomorrow or you know, next week or later, or when I get this done or whatever, you know, we tell ourselves, but I had to get to the point, like a lot of people that I hit rock bottom and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that is kind of exactly what happened to me. You know, I was just going through the motions, doing it all. And, um, and then I started to get really tired and I mean, not so tired that I couldn't do the have twos for the day. You know, I still got up early and I, I love to exercise. So I went to the gym and exercise, then I got the kids ready and then off on the bus and then off to work and then come home and run them to whatever they had to be at as far as activities go. And, um, and then kind of sat my butt on the couch and did not want to get up. And I mean, this was the earliest moment that I could do that was what I was doing. So as soon as the have twos are done, I'm on the couch, not wanting to move. And I thought this is not living my life. You know, all I have time for is the have twos and the going to work and I don't have any energy for anything else. And, um, I went to go see one of my partners who was my family doctor and I just went in for a physical. I thought, you know, maybe my thyroid's off or something because I should have more energy than this. And I was about 40 at the time and, um, you know, had the listen to my heart, listen to my lungs, look in my ears, look in my throat, did the basic routine labs. And I got the message the next day. Everything looks great. You're fine. We'll see you in a year. Everything's perfect. And I was crushed. You know, I mean, I, I was glad that <laughs> nothing was super off. Like, oh, my gosh, you've got metastatic cancer or something terrible like that. But at the same time, I was like, there's nothing to fix. This is just what life is going to feel like from here on out. And it was really disappointing. And and I I knew it before I even went in because I saw, I knew I wasn't alone. I mean, I saw patients every day, just like me burning the candle at both ends who were just like, really, are you sure there's not something wrong? Something that can't be fixed, a B vitamin or some thyroid, or maybe I'm anemic, something like that. Um, but all those things were normal. And that was when I had just begun my functional medicine journey. I I had started that process because my daughter had had some stomach issues that we had not been able to fix from the conventional system and um, ended up finding a functional medicine diagnosis for her that made a huge difference. And my being conventionally trained, I really didn't know much about that world for a long time. But seeing the results she got, I thought, hmm, I need to start looking at this a little bit more. And so I approached my health from a functional medicine standpoint. And what I found was my adrenal glands were super burnt out. So I was super healthy from a conventional standpoint. But when it came functional standpoint, I was really kind of hitting rock bottom. And it was all from my own doing. It was all from not sleeping enough, not prioritizing my own health and just go, 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 go. And I used to be a person who never listen to my body. You know, my body was saying, stop. And I just kept saying, go, 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 you know? And I almost, like I would get up super early in the morning to go to the gym because it was how I managed my stress. And 
it was getting me through the day, but it was kind of worsening my health, I think, overall. And so I had to kind of take a massive reset and just um, do things differently, like kind of slow down to speed up, so to speak. And I, I just got real serious with myself and thinking, you know, at the end of the day, what's important? What's the most important thing for me? And how can I make this work? And I, I, I came up with what I thought would be the perfect scenario for both me and my patients. And I said, let me just give this a try. And what was um, cool, I think, about my situation was I had I had this good job as a family practitioner. I didn't feel like I had to just quit, but I thought, let me try a different way. And so I kind of started my new practice from the safety net of my old practice. I did them both simultaneously. I, I worked um, four days a week in my office. So on my day off, I started doing my functional medicine healthcare from my online practice and I built it up. And as it built up, I backed off in my family practice and eventually left. And I'll tell you, it's been about three years ago. It was it was right after Christmas, three years ago, that I left my family practice for good. And I still kind of pinch myself a couple of days per week. Like, I can't believe I have what I've created because it works for me. It works for my daughters. It works for my husband. And instead of serving 2,500 patients in a 10-minute appointment, um, I now serve about 75 patients and we have hour-long appointments. And I feel so much more fulfilled at the level of care I'm able to give them without sacrificing my family and my own health too. Well, and I think that's important to think about because I don't think there's a certain recipe that you can give somebody to say, here's what you need to do to create your perfectly balanced life. Because mm -hmm. I, I have people ask me, you know, all the time, like, what do I need to do? Well, you know, I don't know. I can give you some high level tips, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to craft or design what works the best for you and your family. And also the fun part about that too, and I know you said you've been doing it for three years. I don't know if you've got to this point yet or not, but I've almost had to you know, redesign it a few times because uh -huh. my kids grow, right? They get involved uh -huh. in new things. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I have a daughter that lives in Virginia and I have two granddaughters. So it's like, uh -huh. I've had to change things because my life changes. And the beauty of kind of designing, you know, your own thing is that you can redesign it as many times as you need to, to fit whatever you need to. And I think, you know, for me, that was the biggest, you know, aha on creating my own businesses is the ability to, well, number one, be able to create it, be also to be able to redesign it based on what I needed and my family needed. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all like kittens and rainbows all the time. <laughs> you know, there's definitely no. negatives to it sometimes, you know. There's sometimes where I'm like, hmm, I wish I could just show up and it's already done for me. I just show up and do it and then leave. You know, that would be right. nice. Everyone's while as a break. But, you know, all in all, if you ask me, hey, Maria, would you do it again? I would 100% do it again. And it sounds like you're there too. Oh, it's so, um, I don't know. It's just so freeing. I, I, I wanted to create something that like works for other people, but also works for myself. It used to be, I always just thought about what works for everybody else, you know, and I, I've decided now like to put myself in the equation too. Not that I have to be, um, that's the only thing that matters. I mean, it's not, but, um, it's certainly part of the equation now. And yeah, I would absolutely do it again. It's, you're right. It's, um, you know, being a business owner, you're always sort of on, you know, um, sometimes you're, it's hard to separate work and home, especially I work from home. So I'm yeah. upstairs right now in my house. And I, I it's kind of nice because most of my living space is downstairs. So I kind of feel like I 
you know, come up the steps and start my work day and go down the steps and end my work day. But it's kind of always on your mind a little bit, oh, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think that's just sort of the way I am. I don't, I think that's going to be the par for course no matter what. Well, and it, I mean, it seems like you're super high energy um, and I'm the same way. So, I mean, there's sometimes I wake up, my husband makes fun of me. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, I just think of something that I've been trying to think of all day. And I'm just yep. like, and he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I just thought about that solution that I was trying to look for earlier. And he's like, it's just, there's no turn off. But it's the same thing with my kids. When I'm here, I can't turn off thinking about the kids. Oh, I got to do this. Or I need to make a dentist appointment or I got, you know what I mean? It's just, there's always something going on one way or another. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, they keep trying to keep it separate, all the way separate. Mm -hmm. I tried that. I tried to do it because in my mind, I thought, well, I keep this over here in this bucket and this over here in this bucket. I'll keep it organized, try to be organized. But what happens is they always leak into each other. So then I spent all my time trying to put them in the buckets they belonged in all the time. And I'll drive myself crazy with it. And, you know, and that, honestly, that's where the, my, the name of my show came from, Successfully Chaotic, because my life is chaos. You know, having seven children, having several businesses, you know, and I mentioned one of my children's on the spectrum, like my life is, is crazy and chaotic a lot of times. And it's always like trying to, you, you can't always solve the chaos. You can try, you know, and I get it better, but there's always something you know, going on, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do I still make today a successful day? How do I still make you know, my life is successful life and not in the way that you would think of success, you know, to me, my definition of success. And I think that's a big thing that, you know, you know, like we're talking about today, just designing your work life balance is what does that success look like to you? What does that, you know, work life balance look like to you? Not to me, you know, what to yeah. you? Yeah, I know. And, and you're right. It's, you have to kind of embrace the chaos because um, it's, I think being a mom and working working with having kids in the picture is going to always be a little bit on the on the chaotic side. Um, you know, I started my online business and, my, and then COVID happened, so my kids were home. I I thought I was going to be working while they're at school all day long, and then boom, they're home all the time, right? And so um, I'm a very controlled person. Like I like to what I do at the beginning of my week is I kind of do this brain dump on Monday morning, like all the things that I have to do. And I like you, I don't separate it out. Um, I I'm like everything. Like one of the things was plumber, you know, was on my schedule for for this week. Um, you know, run some errands, pick up my husband's dry cleaning, you know, pick up the kid, all of the these things along with all of my business things. I just dump it all on a piece of paper. And then I look at my calendar, all of my appointments and all of the open spots. And I try to fit in when I'm going to try to do all these things. And in a perfect world, it works perfectly. But inevitably what happens is there's a snow delay or, you know, one of the kids is sick or something. And, and so I've had to learn that I want to be flexible. I want to be the mom that can handle those things and not get so derailed by my schedule getting derailed. And so I, I make this very structured schedule, but I give myself the permission to change it or save something for next week or delete something altogether if I have to, um, depending on what the needs are of myself and my kids. And you know what? Some days it's like, I am super exhausted. Like I don't have as much energy today as I thought I was going to. I think I'm going to, um, wait for later and go rest for a little bit right now, you know? So it's, it's I'm trying to find the balance between listening to what my body is telling me it needs, listening to what my kids need, but also, you know, I, I'm a super achiever, taskmaster kind of person still trying to get all of those things done too. And 
you know, there's no perfect formula. Every week it looks a little bit differently, but um, it feels it feels good. And it feels like each week I'm getting closer to like the perfect formula that works just just right for me. And like you mentioned, that's going to keep shifting and changing, right? I mean, as as my needs change, as my kids' needs change, as my husband, all of those things. So it has to be kind of ever evolving. I used to say I'm real consistent and I am consistent, but I think consistency can denote unchanging and unevolving. I, I certainly, I'm consistent in my work ethic, but I'm also evolving in the fact that like, the way things are today are not going to be the way things are next month or next year and and open to those those changes well i think that's huge because i mean it took me a long time to figure that out like i i would do like you make my you know schedule i still do that but now like you said i give myself permission that it's going to something's going to mess up yes. <laughs> it is going to happen i already know this i've told myself this i've told myself it's okay because what would happen before is i'd make my perfect schedule like everything lined up and I love scheduling and then it wouldn't work. And then instead of just like shifting things around, I would be like, I, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. I'm done. I wouldn't even tell you the amount of times I like cried to my husband, like, I can't do this. I just died. I can't. So it's just like, like I almost had to like work the chaos into my schedule now mm -hmm. because it's just all over the place. When you have a lot of things that you're responsible for, there's a lot of ways that it can mess up. You know, I used to, I, I used to write at my um, planner in ink, you know, I had like all these colored pens and I'd put my patient appointments in like, yeah, I love it. I mean, like, it was, this was so, yeah. then, you know, inevitably something changes and it's like, Argh. and I had this realization. I just told my husband this, this weekend, we were actually at Kroger's getting some groceries. And I said, you know what, when I was in med school, I used to take my notes in pencil because I didn't like things being crossed off. I liked it to look really, really neat. And I'm like, I need a good pencil. I am going to start doing my calendar in pencil. And so I bought a new mechanical pencil and I um, did that with my calendar this week because it's like, yes, this is going to be the perfect scenario. If all goes well, this is what we're going to do. But I realized that it probably isn't. And I'm going to give myself the freedom to erase it and move it. And you know, sometimes I do it online too. I've got my Google calendar and I can just move the boxes from one place to another. But almost, you know, when, when my expectations aren't met, that leads to discomfort for me. And so kind of like you're saying, it's, it's expecting it to not go perfectly. <laughs> and then you're not so upset when that's the case. It's like, yeah, this is what life is like. And, um, just embracing all of that. Well, it makes sense because I think a lot of times we're our own worst critics because if, you know, if I was talking to you and, you know, you were making your schedule, you know, I'd say, you know what? I mean, it's inevitable that things are not going to always work out. You got to be flexible. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would even tell people that then when I wasn't being flexible with myself, yeah. but I'd be super rigid with myself because I needed to do it. You know, yeah. and it, it, I had a realization one day when literally zero weeks would work out the way that I planned. Yes. I mean, I was just waiting for one. Yes. And so I was like, you know what, this, this isn't going to work. And I did, I used to do like you. So I had these pens and I loved them and I had this and this color. I even scheduled my kids. My kids were given a certain color, like it was just over the top and actually pointless really looking back. And I would, I would like freak out because it's like, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of color rearranging. How am I going to get this off? You know, and I did the same thing. I had to buy a pencil. I'm like, nope, getting written in pencil because nothing is, 
permanent on this. It's just, it could change. I could have my calendar. I have a kid wakes up and projectile vomits everywhere. That's not happening, right? It's not, nothing's going to happen the way that I planned. And it was just already knowing that, telling myself it was going to be okay and making a plan B, a plan C, <laughs> plan whatever I needed to do and picking the things that was the most important to focus on that week, that month, that quarter, or whatever the case may be. That works better with my life. Like I still like scheduling, mm-hmm. but I, I do like realistic scheduling now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what I used to find is I would work myself to the bone to get it done. And then so it was like I had two energies going. One was like hustle, 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 go, 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 get it all done. And then it was like, I'm so tired. I got it all. I mean, like, thank God I got it all done. And now I am exhausted. And it never, like, you. Th- we tell ourselves that if we get it all done and the schedule goes perfectly, it's going to feel so amazing. But guess what? Like, tomorrow there's a whole new list of things to do. And so, like, the relief is so temporary. And I, I was, I've always been a perfectionistic, you know, A plus kind of a student. And I, I'm, kind of told myself lately, like B minuses are really good. (laughs) You know, like nothing has to be perfect. And I try to, when I'm doing my calendar, I try to just put in there, what are some of the most important things that I want to make sure I get done this week? Have you heard this, the, um, the story? I just heard this recently on a podcast again, I'd heard it before, but it kind of brought it fresh to my mind about like putting the big rocks in first and, you know, like you have a jar and you put the, if you put like the sand and the pebbles in first, the big rocks don't fit. But if you put the big rocks in first and then fill in the pebbles and then the sand, you can fit it all in there. And so I sometimes try to start my day with like, I'm, I'm the freshest and the most clear and the most motivated first thing in the morning. And so if I'm going to do some content creation or write a blog or do something like that, it's like, oh, before I go into checking my emails and checking all my messages, let me just spend an hour doing something that's really meaningful. Like if the rest of the day goes to hell in a handbasket, at least I've gotten this done um, when I'm really fresh and really clear. And so that tends to work really well for me usually. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I think that's really good advice for people is, is pick the time that works for you. Because I, I actually have somebody that I know that she was trying to do mornings. I did mornings. Lots of people that she looked up to did mornings, but she's not a morning person. So she was mm-hmm. getting up extra early to try to do this in a time that didn't you know work for her until she flipped it. Because, you know, it doesn't make sense to do something within somebody else's time frame and schedule if it doesn't work for you. She works better at night. Now me, as soon as the sun goes down, Maria's body says, mm, it's time for bed. It doesn't matter if it's 5 p.m. Yeah. My body wants to go to bed. Um, it's just not how I work. I'm up with this before the sun. You know, yep. um, it's just I'm a morning person. But I think there's so many, you know, gurus and, you know, that are out there like, oh, you got to get up at 4 a.m. to be able to be successful for the day. You know, I, I think that what they're trying to say with that is great. But I think, you know, what you said, working with your own body, right? If you know yes. you're the best and the most fresh at this time, you know, utilize that time to do something that's going to be super needle moving, right? going to move that needle toward whatever goal you're trying to make that's going to be so much better in the long run than trying to squeeze it in because if somebody told me hey to be successful maria you're going to have to do this at 11 p.m 11 p.m is where you need to do this i'm never going to be successful no even if i manage to stay up i'm not going to be able to think you know i'm going to be like in stare zone you know it's not going to happen so i think you know thinking about what we need to do for you know our own life and our own system, I think is is huge. And you mentioned adrenals. I was thinking about this whenever you were talking. 
I can't even tell you the amount of women that I've talked to who are like, oh, you know, I had adrenal fatigue, I had adrenal fatigue. And I think it's so common because of, you mentioned working yourself, I got to get it done, I have to get it done, I have to get it done, and not listening to, you know, our own bodies. And even when we know better, right. you know, we push through because, you know, that's what strong women do, you know, we push right. through until we can't anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, I think our bodies were not designed to handle the level of stress that we're under. And, um, you know, our bodies are perfectly designed to handle acute bouts of stress occasionally. You know, I think about being chased by a tiger out out in the wilderness. I mean, the cortisol surge is going to help you more likely escape um, from that dangerous situation. But when we are feeling like when our we basically we're sending, sending the signals to our body that we're being chased by a tiger every single day. And our body can keep up for a while until it can't keep up. And and it's then bigger problems can happen from that too. I mean it's it's not just a matter of oh just a minor little inconvenience. I mean your sex hormones get imbalanced from your adrenals being off, um, your immune system gets suppressed and then gut issues happen and chronic disease can happen. I mean there's all kinds of things. Like I, I was a plus physical from conventional medical standards, kind of train wreck <laughs> when I looked at my labs from a functional medicine standard. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, I would say, in a lot of ways brought on by myself and just my, it's like I almost had a total lack of awareness of my body. I, I just, like, my body would send me signals like slow down, stop, rest more. And I was like, no, I'm a wonder woman. I can do it all, you know, and I just ignored those signals for so, so long. And, you know, even when I saw how bad my adrenals were, when I tested them, I, I still didn't fully comprehend how bad it was until I fixed it and felt so much better. But I often wonder what would have happened. You know, I mean, I I caught it before I really crashed but I'm wondering how much longer I could have gone at the pace that I was going before something more serious would have happened. Well, um, and I think that you listen to your body at least to some level, maybe not at the beginning, but then yes. finally you're like, okay, something's not right. Yes. I, I remember when I, I was taking this functional medicine mentorship class um, with a, another functional medicine provider a few years back. And the first assignment was to test your own adrenals. So you were the doctor and the patient. You know, and then you presented your um, lab result to the other, the rest of the class, which were other practitioners in training, and um, described, you know, your top core symptoms and then what the results looked like. And um, I did that little presentation, and then the mentor kind of jumped in, and he was talking about. He said, you know, physicians as a whole sometimes aren't doing well. You know, we we think that they're all fine and that they're handling it all, um, but then he he's like talking about physician suicide and how it's a really on the rise and it's a big thing. And he goes off on this tangent about physician suicide. And I'm like, this is what he's thinking from looking at my labs. Like this is the teaching point he's coming up with. And I mean, I certainly didn't feel even really depressed or um, that bad. I don't think I knew how bad I felt until I actually started to turn it around and feel better. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this feels so much better than where I was feeling before. Um, And you're right. I I think something led me down that path. I mean, so I think there was some listening to my body, um, but I've certainly gotten a lot, a lot better at it. And um, it's, it's been a really fun journey, but I think, you know, we were talking just before um, we started too about being your authentic 
um, real self. And, you know, for a long time, I tried to kind of be whoever the person I was talking to needed me to be, you know, and that's really pretty exhausting and, um, and challenging and just kind of embracing our own uniqueness and um, recognizing that what works for somebody like we're not, we're not meant to be the same. We're meant to be different. And, and just because we're different doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. That just means that's, that we're uniquely and wonderfully made and, and embracing those differences has really been a freeing thing for myself. Well, and I think it's important to, to be authentic. I know, you know, I have a lot of friends who are physicians as well. And I, I know from just some of the things that they've told me, you know, you're expected to fit in this box, especially as a physician, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain industries that, you know, when we close our eyes and we think of who that person is, we've already, you know, got it figured out on who they are. And I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, they try to fit into that box, but they don't fit in that box. So then mm -hmm. they're constantly kind of like I was talking about earlier, trying to keep everything in separate boxes. Mm -hmm. They've got their authentic box over here. And they've got their box on who they're expected to be over here. Yeah. It's exhausting trying to keep it separate. Um, you know, I, I did the same thing for so long until I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I am who I am. Right. I like who I am. And, you know, if people want to work with me, then they're going to like who I am too, or not. Because guess what? We just saved both of us time because I am who I am. And if you don't like me right off the bat, then, you know, that's fine. We shouldn't work together. So and I think that, you know, some of that comes with just, I think, experience and age and, you know, that kind of thing. I definitely don't think in my 20s and even early in my 30s, I don't even think that I would have been there. I think it takes a while until you're like, you know, what? I don't care what people think. Do I like people? I do like people. Yes. You know, do I, you know, does it make me sad if somebody didn't like me? You know, maybe for a minute, but I like who I am. And if they don't like me because of who I am, then that's not on me. You know, it just means yeah. we're not a fit. And I think it takes getting to that point where you start showing up authentically. And then you realize what a disservice you've been doing to yourself for so long and how you've been actually exhausting yourself for so long. Yes. Yes. I, I um, give this example to my patients sometimes. It's like, um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, doesn't like cake. Like she hates cake. It's her birthday coming up, um, end of this month, and so we have to always come up with something else. I'm like, who doesn't like cake? Cake like either. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm we right. don't like cake either. So, so that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with cake, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you either. It's just not your preference, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same with people. I mean, um, sometimes you know, there's this is awful, but there are some people that I meet sometimes that I just don't really like for some reason, and it's nothing that is oftentimes it's nothing really specific about them. Like they just strike a chord in me that maybe it reminds me of some bad childhood memory. I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it oftentimes says more about me than it does about them, but same thing is going to happen. There can be people who are going to meet me and they're going to be like, yeah, she's not really my cup of tea for whatever reason. But the problem comes when we make that mean something is deficient in us. And I think just accepting that we're not designed to be everybody's cup of tea, you know, you're, and, and I think when you're your real, true, authentic self, the people that love you are going to really love you. And the people that don't like you, they're just going to go find someone else, you know, and, and that's great. I mean, that's someone else is going to be a better fit for them too. But I, you don't have to make that that means there's something wrong with you that you weren't able to please everybody because um and, and then I, I tell my daughters this too like if you're pretending to be someone you're not and then the person likes you do they like you or do they like the person that you're pretending to be you know because 
they don't really like the real you because you're not letting them see the real you because you're afraid that they won't like that person. So if I'm pretending to be something I'm not and someone loves me, they just love the pretend version of me, not the real me anyways. Absolutely. Well, and I, that's a challenge. You said you have 13 and 16. So teenage years are interesting to try to get that thought across too. <laughs> yes. You know, I used to say when I talk about the adrenals, I used to say like, you know, it's so common to have adrenal fatigue. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this seems to happen in most of the women that I work with to some degree or certainly different stages of it. But I'm like, you know, and I used to say when you're kids, you don't have any problems. You don't have any worries in the world. I don't say that anymore because kids have lots of worries too. Yeah. I mean, they really do. And I mean, I, I think back to my teenage years, that was a pretty stressful time in my life. And that's before social media and all the other things that these kids have to deal with now. And so um, I think it starts well before adulthood, even when they're, you know, you know, I don't know, preteens, when the hormones start to rage, I think that mm -hmm. their struggles will start to go up and boy, they're dealing with an awful lot too. Oh, absolutely. I, I've said the same thing, but yeah, I can remember back to when I was a, when I was a kid and a teenager, we had, we had our things, but yeah. Social media and stuff, I tried to hammer this into my kids, you know, that I'm glad, we'll just say, well, I'm glad that we have social media, that things that, you know, I, because you do stupid things when yeah. you're a teenager and a kid, right. and we all did. Yes. But the difference now is it's permanent, it's yes. it's out there, and, you know, once it's up there on the web, you, you, there's no way of completely erasing it, and, you know, that's one thing I've tried to hammer into my kids. Um, and who knows if they'll actually listen or not, but right. try to hammer that home because that's something that we didn't have to deal with. That's, that's different. Think about it. Like when we were in school, say you trip and fall down a couple of steps, you know, maybe the five or six people that are around you see that. Um, and that's embarrassing and like horrifying. But if there's something posted on social media, um, I mean, <laughs> the whole world sees it, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it is, it is not just the few people that are around you at the moment. And, um, you know, I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend what the impacts of this will be um, moving forward, really. But um, it's the world that we live in right now, that's for sure. It is. Well, and I think it's just trying to keep educating and, you know, explaining. And there's still some adults that haven't, you know, kind of grasped onto that fact as well. Um, and I think there's a big difference because we're talking about authenticity. I think there's a big difference between, you know, being authentic and showing up as your authentic self and then, you know, not having some type of a, I guess, filter, at least to the level of not airing things that you shouldn't air, or at least mm -hmm. thinking about it, because there's times and places even for things that are very vulnerable, if somebody feels led to, to say or, you know, to share something very vulnerable, but I do think it needs to be something that's well thought out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that even just goes into just, you know, when you're designing kind of what you want your life to look like, and maybe you're in the transition from, you know, working for somebody else, going out on your own and trying to figure out what that work life, you know, balance looks like. I've seen it go both ways where, you know, people either, you know, don't share anything. So they never really connect with anybody. And then people who, you know, overshare. And like I said, there's times and places where oversharing makes sense. I've mm -hmm. had my moments where I felt led to share things that I would tell somebody else never to share, but it was something I felt led to do for specific reasons. But I think that you need to think those things through because, you know, that becomes part of, you know, your journey online, your journey in your business, your journey in your life, you know, it kind of becomes part of everything. And I think, 
you know, the beauty and the reason I use the word redesign when I was kind of coming up with this title is you are, you do have the ability to design your life. You really do in whatever way that that works for you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love that. And I completely agree. I think vulnerability is good. It's what allows us to connect with people. Um, but then there is this oversharing um, boundary that can be crossed sometimes too. And the way I kind of distinguish it in my mind is if I have learned a valuable lesson from something that I'm going to share that I think can help other people, then that is a really great place um, to share. Um, and that's after the emotions have settled down, right? You know, it's, I'm not like in this emotional reactivity kind of a place, but when I'm just emotionally dumping something out on social media, you know, kind of as a victim trying to, to um, garner some attention, that maybe is something I, I feel like for myself is better for me to work through in the privacy of my own home and my own safe space before I go out and share that. Um, But if if it's something that I feel like can help other people that I've struggled with and kind of overcome, then I think that's a great place for me to share it. Um, And that might be different for everybody, but that's sort of the um, distinction that I, I come up with in my. Well, and I feel the same way you do, but, and you know, I think, you know, it's it's once you've worked through the emotions on something or even physically worked through something at that point in time, you know, you have something to share. You know, you have something to say, OK, well, you know, I did this and it could be an inspiration to somebody else that's in that place. Right. That's feeling yeah. that way. And, you know, I think that those are those are great spaces if you feel led to share. And then there's some people that never want to share anything personal, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I respect that as well. I mean, I still think that there's ways, even if you choose to not share anything personal, you know, online, um, I think there's still ways to be authentic, you mm-hmm. know, and still connect with people. But I, you know, I do um, do challenge you to really look at how you are showing up and make sure that it is authentic, because I think sometimes we can try to hide behind layers, especially if we're not comfortable being vulnerable. And I think, you know, for me, that was one of the reasons I decided to be vulnerable because I was hiding behind so many layers. I knew that if I didn't just kind of like break through, yeah. that I was never going to. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really um, attractive when people are secure in their own skin. You know, there's kind of a difference. I think like arrogance sort of is yeah. not becoming to me, but, but there are people who have that just confidence in their own skin. And I find that very becoming. I, I remember this, um, a friend of mine, Amanda, who worked in uh, my office as an MA when I was a family practitioner, and she was just the most authentic person. I mean, she still is, she has another job now, but I mean, she just kind of said what she thought, but not in a rude way. I mean, it was just a very honest, loving way. And I, I remember just kind of being shocked by because I thinking she was saying some things that I was thinking that I'd be too afraid to say, because I would be afraid. And, but it was never taken offensive. And I remember at the time that she worked in the, in the same office that I did, there was kind of this divide. There was kind of this one group and there was another group and the one group didn't like the other group. And I mean, you know how women can sometimes be right. And Amanda was somebody who just bridged all gaps. Like everybody loved her. And I think what it was, was she was so truly authentic. And, and then um, I'm not a big football person, but we were watching, we had the Bengals game on over the weekend and um, there was an interview with Joe Burrow. And I'm like, this guy cracks me up because he is so authentic. I mean, these like clothes that he wears and stuff. And it's like, I, I, I could have never as a younger person been that like worn something super outlandish and just gone out. I mean, I would have been way too afraid of the judgments other people would have made, but I found that so 
just inspiring that he's like, it, like what in the interview I was watching, they showed him this, like they gave him this coat that was really outlandish. He's like, I love this. I'll definitely wear this. It was just the <laughs> oddest looking thing. But I just thought, I love this guy that he's just, um, I mean, of course, he's a pretty successful guy and has lots of reasons to be confident. But um, I, I just do find that to be really, really attractive. And, and he even said sometimes he crosses the borderline into that arrogance category, maybe a little bit too much yeah. sometimes. But um, but just being real and honest, but in a in a nice way, I think is a really becoming trait. That um, I think so too. Yeah, and I think that really helps to kind of solidify your balance. If you if you know who you are, or maybe maybe you're not where you want to be, but you mm-hmm. know where you want to be, right? And you're working mm-hmm. toward that with your own mindset, your own you know inner work, self care work, and you know I think you can be able to balance you know your business your work life and your home life a lot better if you know at the end of the day who you are what you're okay with what you're not okay with you know where you want to be you know where is that 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 line that can't be crossed you know that's something like as i'm looking at things i just did this because i do it usually at the end of the year or when i'm feeling like super overwhelmed i look at what i'm doing again okay well where Where's the disconnect, you know, because to, to me, I have to feel balanced. And I know sometimes we think like balance is like, I like literally balanced, right? 50, right. 50. And I tried to chase that for so long until I figured out, wait, that, that's never going to happen. Balance is just kind of like this. You're just kind of back and forth, back and forth. Right. But I'm never too heavy on one side or the other. Like my family's never having to give up so much that I'm never there. And my business isn't having to give up so much that it closes down, right? There's right. It's just this balancing act. And, you know, I, I start to feel overwhelmed that I was starting to feel overwhelmed at the end of the year last year. And I had to look at what I was doing and say, okay, well, where is the disconnect? Because every single time there's a disconnect. And usually it's because... I crossed a boundary at least a little bit mm-hmm. that I said I wasn't going to cross, that I wasn't going to, you know, work every weekend, right? I wasn't going to work mm-hmm. on the weekends. So every once in a while, I have to do something on a weekend, but it's going to be rare, right? Mm-hmm. And then somehow toward the end of the year, it was like every every weekend I have something. And so when I looked at it, it didn't take too long for me to go, here's the problem right here. Mm-hmm. One of my things is I want to be able to be present with my family most weekends. And here it's flipped over and most weekends I'm gone, you know, so, you know, whenever you're trying to figure out, you know, how to balance, you need to figure out what are your priorities, right? Mm -hmm. Was that something that I had to learn the hard way? I didn't learn it as soon as I started my business. It wasn't like, oh, I needed to do it. No, I had to learn it as I kept falling on my face, trying to juggle all the things. Oh, yeah. So was it something that you kind of knew that you needed to kind of come up with your own priority list to be able to help balance? Or was it something that? I I think I had to learn it the hard way too. Um, You know, I I certainly felt like my career for a long time, I I, I didn't know how to um, spend less, give less time to that than I was. Like I, I was just meeting the demand, you know, and, but I didn't feel like I was able to give enough time to my family and to myself until I found another way. And then it's been a big learning curve. Like, You mentioned overwhelm. I I live, I have lived in a constant state of overwhelm. Like in my old practice, I was overwhelmed all the time. And I, I remember going on vacation and take like a week off and I would come home. And this is back before electronic medical records. I would come back to my office, stacks, 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 stacks 
of charts of messages for me to answer. And it was this incredibly overwhelming feeling of all, I'm so far behind now and I have to rush to kind of stay on top of everything. And I rushed, rushed, rushed. And I always felt so overwhelmed. And I have continued to somewhat feel overwhelmed in my new practice. That is not overwhelming at all, but I think I'm just so used to living in this overwhelm. And I keep kind of trying to work my way through it. I'm like, no, you don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. And I've been doing this for like three years, trying to convince myself I don't need to be overwhelmed. This year I told myself, it's just a hard no. Like when you start to feel overwhelmed, no, I'm just not going to feel that anymore. Like it is not like never again am I in the position where I'm going to come back to hundreds of charts on my desk. I don't have hundreds of patients. I'm not going to take hundreds of patients. Like I have a nice um, way that I only take a certain number of patients that I can handle and still not feel overwhelmed. And so I, you know, sometimes I think we work on things, we work on things, we work on things. And, and some, and that's great. And that sometimes that's what works, but sometimes I think we have to tell ourselves like, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, yeah. and this is just a hard no. And so every time I start to feel that I just pause and I say, Nope, we're not doing that. What are we thinking? What am I thinking? That's making me feel overwhelmed. I'm thinking there's so much to do. We're really, what is there really to do? Like you have, <laughs> you know, three patients to see today and you've got a few messages to answer and you've got to pick up a kid from basketball. Like, that's not that much, <laughs> you know, you can yeah. handle that. And I have to kind of try to talk myself into some sense there. And, and it usually, usually works, but that feeling is a trigger for me to kind of stop and reevaluate. But yeah, I've had to definitely learn that the hard way. And I think, am I where I want to be? No, you know, I, I'm still learning and evolving and growing that whole schedule thing I was talking about. Like every week it's like, okay, that worked better than the week before, but let me try this this time. You know, I'm constantly trying to tweak it and, and make it work a little bit better for me. And, um, you know, I think I will get it perfect. If I've, I probably will never get it perfect. I'll be constantly tweaking it and refining it until probably the day I die. But that's what self-growth is all about. Like, I don't think there's a spot that we're going to I used to think there was a finish line I was racing to. And I was running fast trying to get there because I thought it was going to be so amazing. And what I have realized is life has good and it has bad and it has that every step of the way. And there is no magical spot that I'm going to arrive at one day that is all rainbows and unicorns and there is happily ever after nothing to worry about at all. Um, and so there's no real rush. It's just embracing the process, enjoying like, and you mentioned the present moment, like the more I can stay in the present moment, because our problems exist in worrying about the future and ruminating about the past, right? In this moment right now, it's just you and me sitting here having a great conversation, right? Like there's nothing to worry about. Um, but it's when we start to think about, oh no, what's next? Or maybe I said something that someone might interpret the wrong way, or like, you know, you start worrying about things from the past and that's where all of our problems lie. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's so easy to do. And I'm, I mean, I swear I felt like you were like preaching my story. Like I, I did the same thing. I thought I was going to arrive as fast as I could. It sucked. It was hard. I was exhausted. I was staying up way too late. You know, I was, I was so stressed out, but I kept running thinking, well, when I get there, then, right. then it'll, it'll all be okay. It'll all be balanced out. It'll feel good. But it, the door just kept getting farther and farther away. You remember, you know, all those like horror movies and stuff. I don't even watch horror movies. But I remember, I think it's on Poltergeist, where that oh my gosh. she's like running and it just keeps getting farther and farther and farther away. I literally felt like that was my life. Yes. And I realized it at some point that I was like, you know, I'm running full force and the door <laughs> keeps getting farther away. 
something's got to give. And, you know, I did the same as you as that I had, I had to have, you know, this kind of like realization talk with myself. And I think we all need to do that, right? We need to be honest with ourselves where we're at. And, you know, you are right. You're, you're never going to get to the point of being done with your schedule. I would love to, you know, lie to myself, tell myself I will, but Mm -hmm. you know, I have had to come up with the ideas that number one, that, you know, done is more profitable than perfect. And mm-hmm. I don't know who said that, but that stuck with me. And I've got that on post-it notes all over the place because I'm a perfectionist too. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a selective perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a perfectionist on everything. There's just, yeah. I think we're um, all like that kind of maybe, I mean, our perfectionists, we think we're perfectionists, yeah. but it's, well, there's certain things. Yeah, it's like very selective. Like, I always jokingly say that I have selective OCD, that I don't have OCD, but right. I'm very selective OCD. <laughs> And most of the time it's like the most ridiculous things that really don't matter. But, you know, I had to get to the point that I was like, okay, well, done's more profitable than perfect. And also, you know, I'm never going to have it perfect anyway, because per- perfection is actually a verb. You know what I mean? It's yeah. you're perfecting. Right. So right. you're never going to be done. You're going to do 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. And that's the reason I made a promise to myself that, you know, I look at my schedule all the time, but I really hard look at it at least, you know, once a quarter. And then if I start to feel stressed out or overwhelmed somewhere. And I think it's important to realize that with your calendar, with your business, with whatever it is, because again, life changes, right? Mm-hmm. And we have the ability to kind of redesign where we need to redesign to make it feel ba- more balanced again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had this realization too, because I, you know, I'm sort of a recovering perfectionist in a lot of ways too. Like no one really likes perfect people. You know, when we see somebody who we think looks perfect, you know, we, we, it makes us feel like there's something inadequate and wrong with us. And so, you know, I mean, I like people who deliver valuable content and are doing great things in the world, but like that show their realness too. And, um, and so perfection is an illusion. It is not, um, no one, no one is perfect. And I think just sharing the realness of the journey is, is a much better way to connect with people. And it's much easier on ourselves. And I think also just, you know, it's, it's so easy on social media, like we were talking earlier, we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reel, you know, I mean, cause that's what social media is. I mean, I don't post on Facebook when my kid, you know, gets a D in school or, like, or gets in trouble because they didn't, you know, like no one posts that we post like, Oh, look, you know, they got this award and Oh, look, they, you know, were the top scorer in the game and all of these things. And so we compare our real life to somebody's highlight reel on, on social media. And we think that there's something lacking in our lives. And it's just really not true because that's just, you got to remember that's, that's just the good stuff that we're seeing. And it it can can leave us feeling really um, inadequate sometimes. And I think where I was going though, is actually kind of being on your own side too, you know, like not expecting perfection. Like I was January 1st, I'm like, all right, I'm pulling my diet right back together again. Like it was pretty hit or miss over the holidays. Now I'm, and I did really good for a few days. And then I had a day where I ate some stuff that I really wish I wouldn't have eaten. And instead of beating myself up over it, it's like, yeah, well, I can kind of see how that happened. Like it was kind of a stressful day. You didn't eat, you didn't manage your blood sugar well. And then, you know, and and not making it that I'm a total failure, like instead of being so mean to ourselves and beating ourselves up, I think just having some like loving compassion for the fact that yes, we're going to, um, we're going to do great sometimes and we're not going to do so great sometimes. And I think about like, 
if my friend would tell me what I just said and say, oh, Libby, I was doing so good. And like, I crushed my diet for two weeks straight. And then I came home and I had three bowls of cereal for dinner instead. I would say, that's okay. Like you still did good for 14 days out of 15. Now tomorrow get back on track. Like it's no big deal. That's what I would tell them. But what I tell myself is I cannot believe you. Like what a idiot. You know, why'd you do that? Like, you know, it, it's, it's not the same self-talk. And so I think learning to be kind of on your own side can be really empowering. Absolutely. Well, and it's honestly the, the stress from beating yourself up is <laughs> so much more harmful because, you know, it's not that one evening you ate like crap. It's the next week that you're stressing yourself out because you had one evening, you know, you ate like crap. And I think that, you know, that's huge when you're thinking about, you know, all the things that you need to do, talk to yourself like you would someone else. And if you catch yourself, you know, kind of getting in that loop, I do way better than I used to, but every once in a while something starts to creep in and I've literally out loud said, no brand, we're not doing that. Mm, yep. No, nope, we're not doing that. And then I try to say, find something positive to say, yes. it sounds completely bonkers, but no. it works, right? It because does work. the subconscious is so powerful. It is. It is. We all have that roommate in our brain that's kind of constantly narrating our life. Um, I think it's about 60,000 thoughts per day going through our brain, and most of them are unconscious, and oftentimes they're not very nice. And so reprogramming your brain to things that you want to believe can absolutely be done. It just takes a lot of work and some intention, but it really, really is worth it. Um, so I, I definitely work on that. And that's not a, when I first learned some of these concepts about thought work and um, I thought, oh, this is great. And I kind of, I thought it was going to be a one and done sort of thing. <laughs> Certainly isn't. It's, it's, it's a, a continual journey that you need to keep working on to evolve to the next level that you want to want to be. But it is really empowering to know that what we choose to think has a lot to do with the thought, the feelings that we create in our bodies, the actions that we take from those feelings and the results that we get from for ourselves. Absolutely. And I know we were ending our time here, so I'm going to go and start wrapping this up. Yep. But I do want to have you let everybody know where they can find you, uh, if they want to connect with you. And um, I'll make sure that whatever links you have will be in the show notes when this airs. Okay, sounds great. So um, I'm Dr. Libby Wilson. My practice is called Best Life Functional Medicine, and it's bestlifefunctionalmedicine.com. Um, I live in Springfield, Ohio, but my practice is virtual. So I see people online all over the state of Ohio. Um, I'm also a licensed practitioner in the state of Florida, too. Um, so I work with patients one on one. I do have an online adrenal program that anyone can take from all over the world um, to learn about your adrenals and how you can reset and fix them yourselves. Um, and I do have a free Facebook group called the Best Life Challenge where we take one habit per month that we try to up level and um, move our way to the best life. I have a new, it's just hot off the presses supplement shop um, called the, um, the Shop at Best Life. That's on my website as well, the top five supplements that I recommend everybody take. And I also wrote a book recently. Um, it's called The Path of Intention, Five Habits to Optimize Your Health and Create a Life You Love. And that's available on Amazon. Awesome. That's amazing. And I've enjoyed talking with you. It's, I feel like we could just keep talking, but then I know my editor was messaging like, it's time to stop. And then, <laughs> I've got a kid to pick up <laughs> basketball here soon too. So you know how it is balancing. Oh, yeah. the, Absolutely. The, so, the well, it's been great. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, if you go down to the show notes, you will find the links to all the things Dr. Libby. And thank you so much for being on today. 
Thanks for having me, Maria. I'm so, so glad that we had this conversation. And I love that you're from Ohio too. This is great. Absolutely. Life is a winding road. No telling where it goes.